The following interview was recorded in 2022. Hey guys, welcome to yet another edition of the Red Wall Podcast. I'm your host, per usual. My name is Marcelo Inestroza, and I'd like to welcome you to episode number 95, entitled The Filmmaker. Well, guys, in this edition of the show, I had the great pleasure to sit down with independent filmmaker, director, and writer John Humber. We discussed his early career as a filmmaker, and personally, a great joy for me, we discussed two of his short films that are really, really unique and special. One of them is called The Other Side, and the other one is called Jameson. So, with all that being said and out of the way, I really hope that you enjoy the wonderful conversation that I had with writer, director, John Humber. Welcome to the Red Wall Podcast, John. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks, Marcella. It's really, it's a pleasure for me to be a part of it. For those of you listening at home, this is John Humber. The cool thing about John, a couple of years ago, he uh, wrote and directed a very, very small short film called The Other Side. And that's where I discovered you. I reviewed your film, but I really like the way that you sort of uh, drove that short and the way that you built tension. I mean, basically, it's just two people talking in what can be described as a prison waiting room. And, and, and what you did with that small, enclosed space was just great. And I thought the actors that you picked did a wonderful job. Uh, in particular, um, Adele did a wonderful job. With, with I mean, when um, I mean, spoilers for the short film, but when, when the term comes in the short film, it, she just the look on her face goes from like innocent to like holy shit. I mean, she's dangerous in it. Speaking on that film, like, what was the genesis of that project? Where did that come from? Yeah, well, um, it's kind of twofold. One, uh, Adele and I at the, uh, were married at the time when when we did that together, and she was an aspiring actress and wasn't getting the opportunities that uh, either of us felt she deserved. And so we decided to collaborate and didn't have much money. So I wrote that with her in mind and also with the limited budget in mind. So it was one of those things where the situation helped to dictate the narrative when writing. So it was, what can we, what can we do that showcases her ability, her range, and something that we could shoot as, as easily and cost efficiently as possible? So... Uh, something set in one room was was ideal and the other reason is something she definitely is passionate about and so am i is uh the death penalty and capital punishment and wanted to make something about that without having it be about that and so that was kind of the the genesis and so a prison visitation room was uh was the the genesis of it and dealing with that subject matter it's heightened circumstance and it was a way to uh show range and how i I just generally how i look at structuring short films is kind of it's kind of like a joke and i write i write primarily dramas i don't mean comedic but the structure of it i do you do the setup you do a turn at the midpoint and then you do a twist or a payoff at the end 
And that's, that's, I think that's a really effective way to structure short, a short film. Do you believe as a storyteller that you owe your audience all the answers at the end of everything you write? Or, or do you believe that some projects have enough air in them to leave the audience asking questions and wanting more? Um, I, I'm, I'm not that interested in getting all the answers. I don't think that's interesting dramatically. I think the most uh, important thing to, for me is to pose questions that will keep people, keep people wondering, keep people asking, and uh, then let them make up their own mind. I have no interest in preaching when I make films, when I write or when I direct or when I produce. I want to explore interesting subject matters that mean something to me and explore complex and dynamic characters. And neither of those things have clear cut, simple answers that can be wrapped up. That being said, you still want to provide enough answers to satisfy, but not enough where you don't leave them thinking about it afterwards. That's how I approach. The other thing that I was curious about when I saw uh, your short film did you have any plans to expand it into a feel into a full feature at all? Um, no, no, I didn't. And if, if the opportunity arose, then I would, I would certainly explore it, but that was not my goal. Like my goal was to tell a complete story in the short film. And whenever I do short films, that's always my goal. I have very little interest in making a short film as a proof of concept for a feature. I want to tell a story like all the reason I'm in this business, the reason I do what I do is to tell stories. So uh, the short I did after this, which is has, I have turned into a feature that will hopefully be made soon. Uh, that one I started out, I just wanted to, to tell a very simple story that will surprise people, make people want to know what happens next. But my goal was not to turn that into a feature either, but it ended up, it went really well. I got interest and I turned it into a feature and sold that. That short film is called Jameson, which is a, we can talk about it if you want to, but, but the other side, no, I, I, uh, when I wrote it, I just wanted to tell that little snippet of the story, but I feel like any story, be it uh, a mini series or a movie or a short film should hint at a bigger story at the same time. So a short film, I just wanted to show a piece of a bigger story. And this obviously uh, the other side alludes to a much a much bigger story right, that I haven't explored, but I did spend a lot of time thinking about. When you structure a story, what comes to you first? Like, does the genesis, the idea come to you first, or do the characters start talking to you in your head? Um, it's different with, with each project, I think. Sometimes it's a subject matter. Some, I like to write historical dramas. Uh, people don't like to buy them or make them, but I like to write historical dramas. Uh, so sometimes it's a period in history or an event that will capture my attention and then I'll dig in and I'll discover the characters. Other times it's more thematic. Other times it's, it's plot driven, but everything to me comes back to character, uh, regardless of the genre, regardless of the subject matter, everything comes back to character to me. I view every single story as a character drama, be it a sci-fi movie, a horror movie, a, a drama, a comedy, everything's a character drama to me. Whatever, whatever the impetus may be to tell the story, it, I, have to, I have to find and fall in love with complex characters and work on their dynamics. And then everything else besides that is just dressing it up in whatever genre it may be.
Because for me, uh, it's all about characters and it's all about the conversations that they have. It's not so much about the action or the or the MacGuffin that I have. It's about what I'm trying to say or what I'm trying to accomplish. I am very curious about where your film journey began. What made you want to become an independent filmmaker? Um, that, I mean, well, the where it began, I don't know. Uh, it began when before I can really remember. I've always I've always been in love with movies and then became a cinephile and I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. And so I grew up watching movies in high school. I did theater because film was not an option. And then I went to film school. So I always want, this is always something I wanted to do. I always wanted to write. I always wanted to direct. And uh, practically how it started was I moved to Los Angeles uh, 23 years ago from Phoenix and I didn't know anybody and so I worked my way up. I was a production assistant. I was a personal assistant. I've worked on countless features and, and big movies and met and worked with a lot of really cool people. And all with the, with the goal of making my own projects. And every movie that I was an assistant on or a PA on or an AD on or worked on in the crew, it was always with that, with that eye and trying to learn as much as I possibly could working with these amazing people, learning from mistakes, learning from successes. Often I've been told that if I want to be in the film industry, I should just go. But for me, it's a little bit more complicated because of my disability. So I ask you this because normally when people tell you the ladder that you're supposed to climb, you're supposed to start at the bottom and climb your way up. But for me, I I feel much more comfortable in the indie scene than working for a big studio like Disney or Fox or Universal. And because of my disability, I figured, why not have my own production company? Why not make microfilms? Because nobody's gonna make the nobody's gonna make the type of films that I want to see. I think the industry's changed a whole lot since I got into it in '99. Um, but what I will say is the path there is no one path. There is no ladder to climb. The, that ladder, it seems like every time someone climbs up that ladder, they kick out the rungs beneath them. So you have to find your own path. And there is no right way to do it. And I think, I mean, there, there's, there's value to <clears throat> coming to LA or going to New York or going to Atlanta and working the way the way that I did, just like hands-on on set learning production i mean one of the main reasons i wanted to work on set is because i just wanted to learn set operations uh as well as i possibly could i wanted to get to know every department because as a director and as a producer i wanted to be able to communicate with them because really all directing is is it's it's the one job on set where you really have nothing to do in a weird way so your job is to communicate your vision to a multitude of people so for me to efficiently and effectively do that, I had to speak the same language as them. So a, a DP has a different way of speaking generally than a costume designer or an AD or an actor. And, but then on the other side, what you're talking about writing is that's a different thing and you don't need to be on set. And in some ways it can be a detriment to spend too much time on set because you think too much about how things are made. And really what you, need to be focused on as a writer and i didn't come to take my writing seriously i wanted to primarily to be a director but i didn't really uh 
grow faith in my ability as a writer until my late twenties. And um, but then it's it's analyzing story and structure and consuming material and reading scripts and and failing a lot a lot of failing is you have to write a million bad scripts before you can write one good one or rewrite one script a million times. And so, and you can do that anywhere. You could do that in, I don't know, Toledo and you can be a writer. And the technology is such that you can make micro budget films now. And that's a wonderful thing. And it's also a very challenging thing because I I think in, in a lot of ways, it's harder than ever for independent films to get it's it's easier than ever to make them and it's harder than ever to get them seen and that that's where the challenge comes in because you can make a movie for for next to nothing like we made the other side i think i think the budget and that's a short film and it's a different ball game with short films but i think our budget on that was like twenty five hundred dollars and it was a crew of uh i think three people and all of that money went to renting a stage where we could shoot and everyone worked for free and you can do stuff like that and but uh, you're not able to monetize that easily. And if you take a step up and make it made a feature, you can make a movie for a hundred thousand dollars, half a million dollars. But then monetizing that and getting it seen is harder now than ever because there's so many uh, distribution possibilities and outlets that very few of them pay. And so while while you you see a lot of these indie films pop up on. Apple or even even stuff like Netflix, Hulu, Prime, stuff like that, and they don't they don't make any money. Like I made a I made a feature uh, years ago about kind of I guess it was like fifteen years ago we made that, and it was on Showtime and it was on DVD, it was on shelves, it was on demand, it was on Netflix, it was on Hulu, it was on Amazon, it was on all of them, and I never saw a pen. And we made that movie for very little money. And uh, it's just, it's so in a way it's easier than ever to make stuff and more challenging than ever to actually get seen and make money. When you made that film in your contract, you didn't have a clause that says, Hey guys, if I give you this, you have to pay me a percentage or, or did you not have enough power to do that? Did I empower? No there was a contract and I did I mean the thing is I made that movie it was self-financed my family and myself financed that movie for a night it's called Dakota Sky I just got the rights back so I'm going to re-release that movie uh soon and make it just because I like it being available I know I'll never make money from that movie and that's fine I think the disc may still be available on Amazon, but it's not streaming anywhere anymore. So that's why I got the rights back after 10 years. And now I'm going to put it back out again. But um, so I made that movie independently, like completely independently. We shot in my hometown of Phoenix. uh, And then we did festivals. We played festivals all over the world. We won awards. It was great. And then we signed a distribution deal and we got a little bit of money up front that covered maybe 20% of the budget, 25% of the budget, which now it's almost impossible to get any money up front. And yeah, in the deal, it was, I get a a certain percentage of all the money that came in. The problem is when you sell your movie to a big company, they have ways to hide how much the movie makes or how much they spent. And so 
I, and, and in order to really challenge them, you need enough money to sue them for correct accounting, which I couldn't do. So you just kind of have to accept the fact that they're going to hide the money and you're never going to see another dime beyond the advance. I know more now in how to, because as a producer, because I've produced multiple features now and um, we're locking a distribution deal for one now. And it's, you put stuff in the contract about transparent accounting. So that type of stuff doesn't happen anymore. But uh, yeah, I had the deals, I had the contracts, I have lawyers, I have all of that. And I still got screwed basically. But that's the negative side. The positive side is the movie was seen by a whole lot of people. The company didn't put any money into marketing, but it found an audience. They talked about it. I've had people for over a decade reach out to me about how that movie touched them, affected them, what it meant to them. And that's, that's more important. I've never, I, if I got into a business to make money, I wouldn't have gotten into the film business. I got into this business to tell stories and hopefully to make projects that mean something to people. And I'm really proud of that film because it, it has meant a lot to a lot of people. It's funny that you say that because I get asked by a lot of my friends or my family members who still don't get it. My, my choice. And I said, I said to a family member the other day, I didn't become a writer to make money. I became a writer to tell stories and entertain people. And if I can inspire somebody like me to make a movie one day and to show them that even being disabled, you can accomplish this. If you have the right pieces fall into place, I can, I, I'll, I'll go, I'll go home with my ball and be happy. Uh, I mean, I've been doing this for 23 years and my family doesn't really understand. They kind of do. They understand better now than they did 15, 20 years ago. But um, no, it's the same thing. And that's, I mean, that, that is the, the, that is what drew me to writing is what you just said is you don't need, you basically don't need anything to tell a story. If you're a writer, you just need the dedication, the perseverance and the time, and then you the story to tell. And then you learn how to tell it and you learn how to tell it well. And that was what drew me to writing is after I made my, my, after I made Dakota Sky, my first feature, I went around the town and I knew people and I had meetings and thinking, okay, I, that was the first big hurdle. I made a feature and it's well-received and it's done well and it's played everywhere. And it opened no doors for me. And the the word I got back when I would meet with agents and managers and certain industry people was, this is great. We love it. Come back to us when you make something with movie stars in it. And I'm like, but isn't that what you're here for to help me take the next step? And, and then I realized to a large extent, being able to direct is it's, you have to have the luxury of being financially uh, you just have to you just have to have money and it, because it costs because you have to pay for things you have to hire people you have to set it all up in order to direct and that's what drew me to writing is writing all I needed was a computer in time and you whether whether you're disabled whether you're broke whether you're in a place where they don't make movies if you have if you have a script then the sky's the limit you can tell whatever story you want, however you want. And part of me still believes that if it's good, it will see the light of day. 
but how I've found peace with my life and the ups and downs of this business is whether it gets made or not, I have zero control over. All I have control over is how I tell the story and the stories that I tell. And so I found the joy in that. So my goal is honestly, it isn't, it would be great to get things made. It would be great to make a lot of money or to win awards or to have people know who you are. But my goal is to tell good stories. And I can do that without my scripts ever getting made. I can do that just knowing that I finished a script and it's good. And whether people read it or make it is out of my control. Like I mentioned this to the same person. She was like, okay, I don't quite understand it, but what do you want out of your career? And I said something very prophetic and something very simple. I want to be on set one day and I just want to stand off there, just off set, in the dark, seeing some actors say my lines. That's all I want. That's all I want. They can have all the money, the fame. I don't give a shit about that. I just want mm-hmm. that. It's a great feeling, by the way. I've had that and it's and it's wonderful. And you can do that anywhere. My dream, of course, to have my own company, but I'm, I'm sort of like in the process of figuring out how I'm going to physically do that because first I have to get the name of my company, uh, I have to get the registered marks and nobody can take it from me. And then I got to figure out this and this and this and this. But I'm like, at the end of this, I'm going to be so exhausted that I'm going to be, I'm going to be dead. So I got to, I got to figure out how I'm going to physically do this. The thing is, and making independent film, and like I said, I've been, I've been, for the last several years, I've been primarily producing. So it has been physical production on commercials and music videos and a couple features. And I'm in development on a couple more right now is you can just go out and do it. You don't need to, don't let the logistics get in your way. As far as a company name, you can register a DBA anywhere. It's not expensive. and It's very, very easy. You go to LegalZoom and you register a DBA in there. Your company name is there. And then you don't need you don't need a lot of bells and whistles. And then you can go out and you can make stuff. You can, like like I said, we did the other side with two actors and three crew members for the, the uh, it would have it would have cost $500 had we not had to pay for the location. Mm-hmm. And we just went out and made it. And people did it as favors and the actors, I mean, Adele did it because we did it together. But Josh, who I, I met, I met Josh on a movie called Priest the scott stewart directed who's he's a he's a really i used to work for him and i worked for him on that movie i was his assistant and driver and uh scott and i have since become very close friends and collaborators and we've written together but i met josh wingate on priest he was uh a vampire a familiar in in that movie and we clicked and we hit it off and then i worked with him again on a movie called the movie with scott called dark skies that i helped scott with and I just called up Josh and said, hey, can I send you this script? And he read it and he liked it. And he's like, yeah, I'm game. Let's do it. And that's happened. I did another short before and I had John Carroll Lynch was, was in it. And I worked with John on a movie called Good Girl and uh, with Jennifer Aniston and Jake Gyllenhaal is a long time ago. But um, and I approached him and I was I was young and I was like, I don't know, early 20s. And I said, I wrote this script. Would you read it? He read it. He liked it. We shot that short film. And all you have to do is write it. And then if you, it's kind of like uh, feel the dreams. If you, if you write it, they will come and people will come together to make something. Actors want to act. Crew want to work. 
artistic people want to work. It's not about the money. So don't make it about the logistics. Don't make it about the paperwork. Don't make it about the permits. Don't make it about all that stuff. Just make it about the story. Sometimes I suffer from anxiety. I do have the disabled thing in front of my face because a lot of people that I meet, like I roll up, I roll up in my chair like 90% of the time. And the first thing that they see is they see my disability mm -hmm. and they, they automatically just dismiss me. And then when I tell them what I do, they go, how the fuck do you do that? There's this little thing called accessibility technology. Apple has it. Everybody has it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I do all my stuff like that. I mean, it takes me longer to turn pages over than most writers would, but I turn them over. There are always reasons to not do stuff. Yeah. And, and and that's that that took me a long time to learn once once I came to LA. Like I knew when I moved here, not knowing a soul, that it would be hard, that it would be hard, that basically I'm attempting to do a job that people dismiss as fantasy or a dream job in a derogatory way. But what I, so I knew it would be hard. What I didn't know is how easy it would be to be stagnant, to not do anything. And because there are, there are always reasons not to make something. There are always reasons not to write something. Uh, a lot of it is self-defeating. I mean, I mentioned anxiety. I, I deal with anxiety. I deal with depression. And so I think most writers do. And um, so it's, it's almost like my biggest impediment is myself when it comes to writing because the only person standing in my way is me and i they one one positive i guess you could say about you being disabled is you'll catch people off guard is yeah. they'll come in with preconceived notions and dismiss you and then and then you you send them something it's like no i created this and they're like oh damn oh okay not what i expected so the only limitations you have or I have or anyone has is when it comes to writing, telling stories in that way is the ones that you put on yourself. yourself yeah. I got really low last year and I dealt with imposter syndrome and I started to question my, I started to question myself and I'm like, am I really a writer? Cause I haven't read, I haven't written anything in like six months. And I came to a lot of my writer friends and a lot of my, uh, other screenplay artists I know from all over the place. And they said, you idiot. Imposter syndrome is bullshit. It doesn't matter if you haven't written anything in six months or a year. You're still a writer. You're still one of us. It's it's absolutely real. And But the thing is, we all deal with it. Right. Yeah. Uh, one thing when I, when and it doesn't matter if you're successful or if you're, you're aspiring or if it's your first script or your hundredth. Mm -hmm. I think we all struggle with imposter syndrome. I think, uh, when I when I joined the Writers Guild, um, this was nine years ago. I went to the introductory, uh, and it took me a long time to get into the WGA, and it was very difficult. And I was very proud, proud of uh, proud that I got in, and it still means a lot. And um, so I went, and the welcome ceremony thing. Billy Ray, the screenwriter, the Oscar-nominated screenwriter, very accomplished, brilliant guy talked to our group it was like the year's inductees into the guild and he he said something that just put all of those fears and anxieties uh at ease is he he just said he's like i'm not naturally gifted i just write i do i do 17 drafts before i show someone my first draft and i spend all of my time fearing that 
people are going to realize I don't know what I'm doing. And that's coming from him, who at the, at the time, I think it was around the time you were Captain Phillips, and like he's, he, he's acclaimed. And if he feels that way, and I've talked to other writers who are amazing over the, over the years, be it Eric Roth or be it whatever, and they all have that self-doubt. They all have that feeling of it's only a matter of time until people realize I don't know what I'm doing and that I'm a fraud. And I spend a lot of my time dealing with my own self-doubt. And, but it made me feel better to know that people I admire feel that way too. It makes you feel less alone. It makes you feel like less of a fraud because we all deal with it. It took me a really long time to find other screenplay writers. And when I did, it felt like I was among my people. You and I have a very different, you know, you and I have a very different language than that language of our family. Like the way that we talk and the way that mm -hmm. we perceive film is ex extremely different to the way that they look at film. And sometimes when I talk, I talk about, you know, stuff from the production side, from the screenplay standpoint, from, from, you know, the, the inner workings of film. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? You have, you have that shared language with, people in your community and it's not necessarily the people like your loved ones or your family or your friends but the people that do the same thing like you you and I can speak a different language than a many, many other people there's a common understanding there's a common ground it's like my my fiance I we're I mean obviously we're very close we share a lot of things she loves movies, but she's not a filmmaker, so she doesn't speak that that language. She doesn't. I'll talk about all sorts of different aspects of a of a film, be it cinematography or acting, or the way the way the light played off of this, or the way that the the story did this, or the dialogue did this. And she looks at film like an audience member, which is great. And I like having her see my stuff, read my stuff, because she doesn't read it like a filmmaker. She reads it like an audience. Mm -hmm. And so, but there, there isn't that shared language. And it is nice to have that fraternity, sorority, whatever you will, of like-minded people. And I value, I value that connection. And that was one of the things that was important to me when I got to the Writers Guild and why I did the, the mentorship program through the Writers Guild is I got to meet fellow writers experienced writers writers the same level as me i mentor writers now i develop i i give notes i develop scripts because it's a there's a there's that common bond it's awesome you do that because not because there, there are so many high level echelon writers who don't mentor other people they do amazing things they're geniuses but it seems like to me the only thing that, that they care about is making their next project. They don't care about fostering the future. They don't care about fostering the people that's going to come behind them. Well, I think it's I think it's just so hard. I think it's so hard to get anything made. I understand and I and I run into this with the majority of people that I have that I have met in this industry is they're worried about their own present, not even just future. Is what am I going to do now? How am I going to get this made? So no, it is rare when you find someone that's genuinely invested in helping. Um, and the thing, like I help people for selfish reasons. I I enjoy it. I I enjoy sitting down with a writer that is that is uh, 
less experienced than myself, which though they exist now, which is which is fun for me. And I and breaking story and batting around ideas and just having that communication. It was something I always wanted when I was coming up and I never really found. And and I just I always wanted a mentor. And I never really got one. And it and it's been a it's been a big bummer in my life. But now I can be that to other people. And there's a director that I that I just finished working with that I we we just made a movie and it's it'll be coming out soon. And it was her his first feature as a writer and his first time directing anything. And I was kind of his his mentor in a way. I mean, he has referred to me as that in in conversation, but we were really just collaborators and I was doing my best as a producer to help him articulate his vision and capture his vision and translate it to the screen, which is why I love producing is helping people. I've now produced a couple first features and I love being the, the person with experience to help. When I was learning how to write, I had a mentor that really didn't understand in the questions that I was asking. So I, well, I'm not scared. I'm not. It, it, I'm not scared to admit this because I've admitted this on the show before. But I, I flunked out of screenplay writing class three times, and I left college as a complete failure. And I, and I came home to my, my mother who was alive at the time. And I said, "Listen, I really want to do this. So if you could just give me one more year, to try and get under mm-hmm. this shit and just try and do it myself." So after she said, for some God awful reason, she said yes. And within a year, I taught myself how to do uh, writing for TV, which is what I wanted to do in the first place. I never wanted to write features. I always wanted to do TV. I was um, the opposite. I always wanted to write movies and I ended up writing in television. Now I'd love to, I mean, I'd like to do both, but yeah. My heart lies in television. But, but mm-hmm. with, that, with that being said, I have three or four ideas for feature scripts right now rolling around in my head. Um, so I found it very, very easy to teach myself how to do screenplay writing format structure and all that stuff, because when I was learning, it was like, he didn't have answers to my simple questions. Like, like what's the difference between a screenplay credit and a written by credit, or what's the difference between a teleplay and a story by, he didn't have like those, like, I don't, like, I don't know if I wasn't commuting my, if I wasn't commute, uh, if I wasn't communicating properly. But mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. Film school is for some people, and it's certainly not for everyone. I enjoyed my time. I went to a, a small program. I went to a community college film program that was hands-on from day one. I chose not to go to one of the big schools just because I didn't want to spend the money. Because mm-hmm. uh, I was, yeah, it just wasn't, it wasn't in the cards. I wanted to make stuff. I didn't want to make stuff. I didn't want to, I didn't want film theory because that's what I'd spent my life doing. And that's what I continually do with my life as I study films, I analyze films. I wanted practical access to equipment to make films, which is why I went to school and which is why I went to the community college I did, Scottsdale Community College in Arizona. And I went, I went there with people that have had, uh, some of my classmates have had a lot of success. Uh, one actually was, is Bill Hader. He, he and I were best friends in school and made movies together in, in film school in Arizona cool. Cool. and moved to LA together. And now he's, uh, he's doing all right for himself, yeah, um, creating, creating, directing, writing, starring in Barry and other things. He's yeah. immensely talented. 
but um other people like paul thomas anderson who is one of the greatest filmmakers working in my opinion he dropped out of nyu film school after a couple of weeks because he told his screenwriting teacher that he thought terminator 2 was a great script and the teacher mocked him so he got up and walked out of the class and quit <laughs> so it's it, balls, yeah it i mean he's i mean he's also a genius so yeah. but he wasn't at the time he was just a cocky little I don't know, probably 18, 19 year old kid who walked out of NYU and then went and PA'd for a couple little movies and then and then wrote and told his own stories and made his own films. And then those films turned into to Heart Eight and then Boogie Nights. Yeah. And so I, I don't think like again back to what I said before, I don't think there's a path. I don't think there's a ladder. I think you carve your own way. And I think it's fine that. I think flunking at a film school in some way could be uh, a badge of honor. And because it doesn't really matter how you get there. I, I do think that there are things you can teach as far as screenwriting and structure and pacing and story, but there's a whole lot you can study. And, and, and then you make it your own. It's like you learn the rules so you can then mold them, shape them, break them and reinvent them. Like one of my best friends right now, um, who's a, a screenplay writer in Australia, and she has become my new de facto mentor because the way that she structures scripts is so incredibly efficient. And anything I write, mm -hmm. she sees it first. And I I love her feedback because no matter no matter how much she likes me as a person, she'll tell me the exact truth. Like if if I write something, that's important. That's, yeah, if I write something that sucks balls, she'll tell me. She won't lie to me. You have to have people like that. And you also, I also think you have to, it's important to have people that are just your fan. Mm -hmm. So that you, you come to them when you're, you're most vulnerable with a piece of writing and they'll tell you there's something good there. Right. It's, it's important to have, to have both sides of that. You need someone who's going to be brutally honest and then you need someone who's going to be gently encouraging. And I think both are, both are valid. Just the other day, I rewatched Jameson, and I don't know what the hell it was, but I, when I watched it the first time, I must have been half asleep because I watched it late. Um, yeah. And I'm like, holy shit, like this film, I thought it was one way, and then I was like, I watched it again, I'm like, this film is awesome. And I'm like, it's so... It's, Thanks. But, but look, 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 guys, guys, I'm not swooning over this man right now. I just think that he's really, really good with his camera movement. The way he builds tension, I probably am a little bit. Uh, I, I think you're really good at the way that you build tension. You Thank know? you and, so much. And, and some of your some of your choices, uh, where to position cameras and stuff like that, are are really really uh, innovative by my by, by my standards and what I believe. The thing that I liked about Jameson is that you really didn't give any backstory except for one individual, your your main character, but you. You really didn't give him a backstory. All you did, spoilers for that film if you haven't seen it, mm -hmm. all you did was you showed a picture early on in in the short film and you didn't even explain that. You explained it, but you explained it at the very tail end of the film and I'm like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. What? And then as it as it all comes together, you're like, holy shit, are you kidding me? With that, I really wanted to hint at a at a much, much bigger world. 
and just show uh, drop people in in the deep end with that and not explain the how what or why of what's going on just drop them into a situation and trust that people will be interested enough to try to understand to pay attention and to catch up and then reward that at the end with an answer not all the answers but an answer to who this guy is and why he's doing what he's doing which is really the the question that drives the narrative forward for the 11 minutes up until the the final shot and um yeah that it's funny because jameson came about again like it's funny how these things happen that happened because uh my producing partner bay who we produced a, a couple features and he was a producer on jameson we were at a bar drinking jameson and neither of us were doing anything at the time and he just turned to me and he's like let's let's just make a short film man." and we're a little drunk and I was like, yeah, uh-huh. He's like, well, write something for so-and-so, an actor he just worked with. Not who he ended up casting, but someone else. And just write something we can make. And so I had another couple of drinks and had an idea. And I jotted down just like a bullet point, like dash outline on my phone, like 10 different beats. And um, I didn't tell him what it was. I was like, look, let me look at this when I'm sober in the morning. And then uh, if it makes sense at all, then I'll just write it. And so I looked at it in the morning and I, there was something there and I wish I should have kept that, that note document. And I wrote, yeah, I wrote the script in two days. It just came out. And, and my, my goal was I wanted to make something because the other side was all talking. It was two people talking and talking and talking. And there was drama and there's tension. And with Jameson, I wanted to do something that was more visual. I wanted to get into sus the suspense, the horror, and, and show a little bit of action, have a little bit more fun with my directing and open it up visually a bit more. And, and I wanted to do something, and spoiler for that movie, in a, in a way, I guess, I, the idea came with combining I Am Legend, the Richard Matheson novel with Straw Dogs. It was just as a setup. So it's it's a home invasion mixed with a horror supernatural element. And that was what I was going for. And I'm like, okay, what would what would that guy look like? And and then I wrote the yeah, I wrote the script in two days. And then I looked because I had played with the other side, we had played Holly Shorts, which is a really good short film festival here in LA. And gotten some gotten some attention and people liked it. And I remembered that they had a screenplay competition. So I looked up the deadline and the deadline was two days away. So I just submit the late deadline was two days away. So I submitted the Jameson short script, that draft that I wrote so quickly. And I ended up winning the screenplay competition at Holly Shorts. And as the as the prize, as the award, um, they hooked me up with a company in Seattle to finance the movie. So we, I was able to go up to Seattle and shoot that on Vashon Island in Seattle for, I think we shot three days. And then we premiered at Holly, we opened Holly Shorts the next year. And it was, that was that, and that's the one where once I won the award and I went back and I looked at the script and I did a little polish, um, didn't really change much. I just rewrote it a little bit and cleaned it up. And there were, there were typos. I saw the potential for a feature. and then after we shot the short between when we shot it and when we premiered at holly shorts i wrote a feature version of that it's called fear of the dark and um, i've since optioned that 
and hopefully we're going to be making and it's so much it's so much better man it's uh because i did not write that one in two days the lead character in the feature it's a it's a female story and it's very at its core it's a story it's a mother-daughter story about grief and loss and it's um it's much more of a horror film than jameson is really layered and it's one of my favorite things i've ever written Oh my god, you just made my day because I'm because I was like a couple of days ago, I was sitting watching that goddamn thing, and I'm like, God damn it, I really hope he expands this. And you just made my day. I was like, so I I my fingers are crossed for you that that happens because I really would like to see that. God, that made me so happy because I could I'm just imagining how you expanded the whole thing. The short film is the first 10 minutes of the feature. Okay. Um, and it, it's different, but that's and and so it's very much what happens next is what the uh, what the feature explores, and it really get and but but again, like the short film, I don't explain most of the backstory or really what's going on in the world because it's from someone's perspective that wouldn't have all of those answers. So it's more in the emotional backstory than it is. There's still a lot of unanswered questions in the feature. You were a part. Of a, t- uh, of, a, of a TV series uh, with Robert Rodriguez called uh, Matador. Can you talk about how you uh, started to uh, do some writing for them? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's That's one of the, there were two jobs that happened at the same time that got me into the Writers Guild. It was it was Matador and then I, another feature that I sold that I wrote with Scott Stewart, actually, the, the director that I worked for we sold the script at the same time I got staffed on Matador. So that's how I got into the WGA. But I got on the staff of Matador uh, because of the co-creator, executive producer, Roberto Orsi, Bob, who I'd worked with on Cowboys and Aliens several years no before. And we'd, no we'd start. Yeah. Yeah. It's um yeah. Uh, Bob and I became friends on Cowboys and Aliens because I was working at the time I was working for Harrison Ford as his assistant. And Bob, of course, oh. wrote the movie with Alex and uh yeah we just we became friends and and talked about yeah um you're a star trek fan right yeah 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 let me hold on my my audience knows this but i feel i should give you some context uh bob and alex are my favorite writing duo of all time there is some look and you you, you're gonna think i'm crazy and nuts you're gonna think i'm insane Mm -hmm. but when i fell in love with them as creative individuals is when they wrote the 2007 movie Transformers. Mm-hmm. They wrote that script in such a specific way that it just spoke to me. When I saw the film, I was like, "Look, and look, and 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 you know, I'm a I'm I'm a Michael Bay fan. I do, I acknowledge that mm-hmm. Michael Bay just likes to make ridiculous slot that blows up and no story, no context for the most part, anytime. But mm-hmm. there was something about the way that Bob and Alex wrote that script that I, I say I love these guys. I love uh, I I learned I mean I learned a, I learned a lot not not only from my friendship with Bob but reading their scripts before that is they have a they they had a way when they wrote together of how they put stuff on the page that yeah. was very informative and helped me discover my specific style which is different than theirs but they wrote stuff that was very fun to read and um just putting aside like the success of the movies or the movies themselves like what they put down on paper, it was, whether it was good or bad, honestly, it was still a fun read. And so that, that's what I took from them is a screenplay. I hate that. I hate the term. The screenplay is the blueprint for the movie. I I think it sells short the craft of screenwriting 
in storytelling because it's far more than a blueprint. I, I, a screenplay doesn't have to just be a schematic for what a movie is going to be. A screenplay should be fun in and of itself to experience and, and to read. And that's, that's one lesson I, I definitely took from, from Bob and Alex. And I got to know Alex a little bit, uh, Bob and I were friends. And so uh, we talked, we almost collaborated on a, we were going to do a web series that I was going to direct and that never materialized. And then a, a couple of false starts and then he had Matador come up and he called me and, and pushed me to uh, uh, Jay and Dan, the, the showrunners on that show to bring me on as a staff writer. So I, I got hired as a staff writer on that show. And honestly, that show was incredibly important to my development as a writer. It, it's on that show and I love, love the process of working in the writer's room. I love breaking story. It, it, taught, me, it taught me to fall in love with the writing process itself from brainstorming to uh, outlining to first drafts to rewrites, all of that. I before I worked on Matador, and the show is what it is. Like it's not, it's not high art. It's fun. It's kind of silly, but it uh, it taught it taught me how to love the process of writing. Because before that, I hated writing, but I loved the accomplishment of writing afterwards. It's like it's banging your head against the wall 99% of the time, but at the end you come out with something and then you're really happy and really proud of it. During that and since then, I love the process of brainstorming. I love the process of just like throwing notes on a paper and then outlining and then reworking that outlining and outline to make it work. Like I'm very right brain in that, in that way where I like, I like structure. I like outlines. I like to make sense. I like to have a roadmap and then and then the writing is just fun. Yeah. I'm not trying to figure the story out. And that's my process. It doesn't mean it's the right one. But mm-hmm. yeah, that was it was great to work with a group of, I think there were eight of us in the room and breaking the season and breaking episodes and then going off and writing my episode. And I could not wait to get back into the room. When I was off on writing my script, I couldn't wait to get back in the room and just play. It was mm-hmm. the first time in my life I loved going to work. So that was a, but yeah, and I got on because, because, because Bob recommended me. And then we went on later to, to write a, write a movie together that unfortunately never got made. Look, when it comes to Bob and Alex, I'm a little, I'm a little biased because I love them as creative individuals personally. Mm -hmm. Um, But I love Cowboys and Aliens just because Bob and Alex wrote the damn thing. Mm -hmm. I I acknowledge it's not perfect. I know, I know, (laughs) I know, I know, but I just love it because they wrote it. Um, it, they write fun stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason. There's a reason they're uh, one of the most successful writing teams, and we're probably the most successful for about a decade because they write fun. They write fun. Oh, they actually also worked with the with one of with with my favorite uh, writer director working today, JJ. So JJ to me is my Spielberg. I know that sounds like. I know that sounds. I, like... I, I I think that would make JJ very happy because he grew up idolizing yeah, Spielberg, yeah, and as too. as so many people did. But uh, no, my favorite of their movies is is uh, Mission Impossible Three. Mission Impossible is my favorite franchise of all time. So when JJ took on the gig for Mission Impossible Three, I was like, "Great, this is good." But when Bob and Alex came on board, I thought I was gonna have a heart attack. I thought <laughs> I was gonna just. Not only that, but a couple of years later when they did 
when they did Star Trek, my favorite franchise of all, my favorite franchise of all time, I was like, guys, I'll just be over there in the cemetery just waiting to die. Because <laughs> this this cannot be horrible. And then and then they went on and did Fringe. I was done for. I was uh-huh. already dead. So I've been very, very lucky that three of my three uh three writers that I adore from uh from a um from a a personal perspective worked on so much stuff together. I feel I feel like a spoiled fan when it comes to them. Yeah, they had a they had a they had a great thing going. They they yeah. complemented each other really, really well. And I think they made they made their best stuff with JJ, in my opinion. Right. But uh be it be it Star Trek or or Mission Impossible. Just their voices their voices melded extremely well together in styles and sensibilities. My favorite thing that Bob and Alex ever wrote, with this may surprise you, is not Star Trek 2009. I love that film. It's not Mission. But they wrote uh-huh. a little film called People Like Us. Uh-huh. And that film is special to me because of two reasons. Number one, that was the last gift that my mother gave to me before she passed away. Number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, that story, that film inspired me to write the screenplay that helped me get over my mother's death. Oh, wow. It's, I remember when uh, I read that script. I think it was on Cowboys that I read it because they were... Working Alex was about ready to go direct it. It was a very personal story for Alex. So, and I knew that when I read it. That's great that it affected you so much. I think most people that want to tell stories, they want to have an impact on people's lives and they want to they want to create something that means something to other people. And to find out that something that you had a hand in creating had had that type of an impact on your life is extremely rewarding. Yeah. Like personally and professionally and creatively. I have a couple of screenplays kicking around and I have been working on a particular script for 15 years and I sent it to one of my writing friends and I had had some questions and reservations and, and things. I had a couple of drafts of the same script rolling around in drawers in my room or my office where I am right now. Mm-hmm. And this person got back to me and she said, I love this story because I think I understand you more now as a person. And I'm like, this script sucks. It is, it is dramatically a disaster every time i look at it i just want to pull my eyes out because it's a disaster it is a disaster (laughs) but 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 then they told me something that really touched my heart they said it's a disaster i know but this script other unlike that other one that you're working on and that you want to make because it's more it's more mainframe this script has your heart in it this thing has your blood and everything in it. So if you can make, if you can figure out a way to make this thing work, this thing will sell. Yeah, well, I mean, I I, I think there's so much truth in 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 what you're saying. Is you kind of, I mean, the the goal of writing, in my opinion, when you when you get either, when you get hired to write on something, or when you're writing something that's more commercial, is to find that find that way to put yourself your heart your your personality into that and so that you can make every script that important to you to make and not have it be i'm writing this because it's more commercial because it's mainstream um is to find is to find that attachment and to fall in love with it like i have to fall in love with everything i write otherwise it's not going to be as good as it needs to be 
like it'll be good technically like i'm 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 a i'm a skilled enough writer now where i can write something that's just technically that it that it's good doesn't mean the story is going to be great doesn't mean it's going to work for people it's when i find a way to fall in love with it that's when that comes through and that's when i come through in my in my writing and people connect to that they connect to that personal attachment because you're the only person that can write your script and so you have to put yourself in everything you write regardless of whether it's autobiographical or if you're writing about i don't know an alien invasion or something that that you've obviously never experienced i hope but if you make that a personal thing like the there's the the movie i did end up writing with bob and um again it never got made so i can just tell people it's brilliant and they can't uh, they can't question it because it, does, it doesn't exist anywhere high high concept uh, big budget like alien invasion type movie which which generally are that's not the movie i go see everything but that's not what i really saw myself writing but what i how i i, I fell in love with it because i had to to make it good and i i populated it with characters that i cared about and that reflected my own uh conflicts in life and personality and whatever and i made it my own and i made it personal and i made it mean something and i'm really proud of it and it also unlocked a whole different genre for me as a writer of oh i can write big quote-unquote dumb action movies and they're fun again i look at it like i said before everything's character drama so if you have good characters good conflict and you care you make the audience care then you can dress it up as an action movie as a sci-fi movie as a horror film as a comedy as whatever and it'll work because people care about the characters at the center the genre that i like writing in the most is probably historical drama i i'm not a it's funny because i'm not a horror guy um i i like what is referred to now as elevated horror basically i like good horror i'm not into like schlocky horror as much or just violence or gore just for the sake of it um, but I think horror, much like sci-fi, is a way, is a genre that allows you to explore issues indirectly that mean something. Right. And because you can dress them up, like Star Trek, so you can talk about racism, or you can talk about, like that show did, or or any number of issues. And Battlestar Galactica, the reboot, the Ron Moore one, did the same thing. It talked about so many issues, and it did it under the guise of a sci-fi show. And so people don't even realize they're watching something that's about something to a degree. And I think that's what genre uh, can offer. And so I do, now I enjoy, I enjoy writing horror because it's fun. I like, it's a fun, it's a fun challenge on the page to write something that's suspenseful or scary. But if, if the characters aren't there, then it's all empty. It doesn't mean anything. No, it's interesting um, that you mentioned Elvid Horror because my friend who is my mentor now, she uses that term all the time. And mm-hmm. I'm not a horror guy. I like I like psychological horror. My favorite uh, my favorite horror film of all time is Scream. Who that mm-hmm. was it was written by Kevin Williamson, who Kevin Williamson is the only reason that I decided to become a screenplay writer. His mm. TV show, Dawson's Creek, changed my life. I wa- I watched Dawson's Creek. <laughs> yeah, no, but no, but no, but, but I was a fan. Yeah, yeah but when, when when I tell people that, they laugh in my face. I'm like, no, that's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a fun like, show, like yeah. you know. And 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 Kevin Williamson, 
uh, was and is uh, yeah, a great writer. And he was he stood out in a time and because he was doing something different. He was writing. He and Joss Whedon around the same time were writing teenagers in a way that other people didn't write them. And I think my so-called wife and party of five did kind of the same thing. Um, where it just made him stand out and scream, screams. I just rewatched it because the new one recently came out, but um, it's it's a brilliant script because yeah, it it's self-referential, it's parody, it's meta, but it's also all of that. And then it's a successful horror film on the surface. Yeah. So it's able to juggle and do multiple things really well. With the original screen script, from a point of structure, it's it's very well, it's very well laid out and structured very well. Um, absolutely or at least I think but seriously when it comes to Kevin you can't take anything I say with a grain of salt because I love the guy um, yeah you have a you have a blind spot for him yeah, and Bob I and do. Alex yeah, I do I, I do. get it but um, look uh, the, the other man who I credit most with giving me my writer's voice and who who gave me so much inspiration is a guy who unfortunately right now is had a fall from grace uh, Joss Whedon he mm-hmm. the, he him him, Kevin, JJ, and Bob, if like if I could explain to people how much those creative individuals have meant to me and have inspired me in my career, I would be blue in the face. Um, no, I I mean I was I I watched all of their stuff, uh, yeah. so I was I was a big fan of Buffy and Angel, and I think Joss is uh, problematic, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, 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 but problematic. but he's also he he also um, is exceptionally talented and comes from. Uh, I think he's third generation or fourth generation Hollywood screenwriter. His father and his grandfather were both like high level television writers. Um, he knows what he's doing, and he's 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 got he's got a unique voice. I like writers that have unique voices. I like writers where you you hear it, you read it, and you can tell. It doesn't necessarily need to be naturalistic, although I personally like to write more naturalistic. Um, but people like Mamet, people like Sorkin, people like Joss, people like like that, they 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 almost have their own own rhythm, own vocabulary that is undeniably them. Joss gave me so much confidence when I, you know, was growing up watching Buffy. He gave mm-hmm. me a, a sense of my own empowerment. Hey, look, I'm a guy, I'm not a girl. But he gave yep. me, obviously, but he gave me such a feeling of empowerment and such a feeling of confidence that it's kind of hard to explain what he what he did for me and what 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 Ke- what Kevin did for me basically. Like, um, is there anything that you're working on now that you're really excited about? There are a few things. Um, uh, I'll start. I'll I, I won't get into specifics because I don't want to. One, I don't know if they'll actually happen. Um, there's one feature that I'm. I'm, I just finished outlining that I'm going to write next, which is, which is a historical drama, but something it's, it's the most excited I've been about a script that I've been writing for a very long time. Um, and it's been something that's been bouncing around my head for a while. And I, I, I recently cracked on cracked how to, how to do it, how to approach it. And so, um, and then there's a, there's a, there's a TV show that I wrote several years ago that is uh, fantasy noir and i love it i love the world i've been trying to get it made forever and there's a company now that's interested in making that so hopefully that happens but on the it's hard to talk about stuff that i'm writing because in and even fear the dark which is the feature adaptation jameson hopefully by the time this airs that'll be in production but it's it's been uh floundering in in uh 
development hell for the last couple of years. And I'm anxious to either get it made or get the rights back so I can make it independently. Um, But I just, I just, we just wrapped post-production on a movie that I produced. It's a uh, gay psychological horror called Hypochondriac. And that's going to be coming out uh, probably over the summer. And uh, we're, we're premiering a South by Southwest in shortly. Very excited about that. It's a first time writer director who's very, very talented and who I've developed a great working relationship with. And he and I were developing another movie that he just finished a first draft of that will hopefully shoot within a year. We'll shoot his, his follow-up feature, but that's one I'm really excited about. How do you feel about writers who write things just to check just to check boxes or just to put something that 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 our politically correct environment right now will accept? How do you feel about writers like that? Uh, I mean, I don't I don't if people can make money doing this, I don't hold it against them. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to write anything good and it's hard to get anything. made. So I try not to be bitter. Um, it's very tempting to try to serve the i don't know the current flavor the current the current subject of the month the the trends it's it's i try not to pander Mm -hmm. in my writing but i i also i also i think it's important to be aware so you talk about political correctness or or whatever in writing i think that's that's that can be seen as like a negative way of looking at certain progressive issues that seem to be the focus uh, right now and in general in the entertainment industry. And I think it's very easy to be resentful, bitter about, about that and be seen to, I'm going to write a, write a movie or a TV show around this group because that's what people seem to care about right now. Um, but what I do think is important is being aware of the world around us and, and, how that affects different stories, how you approach stories. I mean, even as simple just to take gender as an issue of if I come up with a scene or a character um, and I have it one way to examine that and be like, okay, why why is it two men in this scene? Is it more interesting if one of them is a woman? Is it more interesting if one of them is gay, if one of them is trans, if one of them is a different race? And exploring the why and one thing in the progressive uh, shift in the world over the last few years, which I think is, I mean, personally, not to get political, I think is, is encouraging, is it's challenged me to, to look at potential scenes, potential stories more open-mindedly and with an eye towards that. And as a, like a straight white guy, um, there is a certain privilege that comes with that as far as opportunity goes. And I just want to be responsible in uh, in the stories that I want to tell and how I tell them. For me personally, I when I write something, I don't I don't worry one iota about checking boxes or doing this or doing that. But I do understand writers who, such as yourself, who are aware of that and who have that in the back of their mind when they approach story. But that's not at all at the front of my head. It shouldn't be like that's right. the type of thing you don't you don't want to write to an issue because I think that's bad writing. But I think mm-hmm. but I think it is to challenge yourself to make something more complex, to make it more interesting, to make it more representative. 
if it serves the story better to be open-minded and to ask those questions. Because I think those are questions that that most writers did not ask themselves five years ago, 10 years ago, certainly 20 years ago, is should it be a different group or should I just go with my uh, default? And um, and I think that's I think that's a good, those, these are all good things to keep in mind and good things to question, but I never, I think should never be the motivation for writing a certain thing. If you could give a piece of advice to an inspiring filmmaker, an inspiring writer, or if you could give a piece of advice to your younger self to, to sort of avoid a massive hole that you've stepped in in your career, what would that be? Um, I, th- I think the, the best advice I could give to my, I think that's a good way to put it. Like, what would, what would I tell myself going back 20 years when I was, when I was starting out? Um, and it would be the same piece of advice that I would give to anyone aspiring is just to do it, is to get out of your own way and do it. And embrace being bad embrace the failure because that's the it's scary and it hurts and it sucks um but it's the only way you learn it's the only way you're ever going to get better is to just uh, i'll look at like to a writer like write it it's going to be bad it doesn't matter stop with don't don't make excuses don't find reasons why you can't why you shouldn't that you're don't worry about not being good enough because you know what you probably won't be good enough right now but if you do it more, then you'll get good and then you'll get great. So it's to, to get out of your own way and, and do the work. I had faith in my own writing until I was 30. What? So I, I, yeah, I, I just didn't have faith in my writing. I saw myself, I was around people in film school and around other friends when I moved to LA that called themselves writers. And I was like, okay, well, I guess, well, I'm a director and I'll be a producer, like I'll help get your stuff made. But I didn't see myself as a writer. And I, and I would, so I would co-write everything because I didn't have, I didn't believe in myself and in my voice enough. And so if I could go back to when I was 20 and be like, just tell your own stories. Doesn't matter if you're good right now, you probably won't be, but you'll get good and you'll get better. Have faith in your ability and trust yourself and just write. I've always been lucky that the the the, uh, the screenplay writing friends that I have and the people that I know in the industry who have read my stuff, they said that I I have a natural voice. That's not my problem. <laughs> my problem is landing. I have no problem taking off, flying mm-hmm. the ship, but landing is an issue, and that's something that I'm working on. Uh, that I'm that I'm constantly working on. Right. I mean, right now, I'm breaking. Uh, I'm writing my first ever miniseries, and the other mm. day, the other day I was breaking story. And I got so pissed off that I had a bunch of white cards. I got so pissed off that I just took my bunch of white cards and I flung them the hell out of my room. <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, I can't tell you how many times I've thought about quitting. Um, yeah. Never too seriously because I, I've, I've set up my life in a way that I don't know what else I would do. I didn't really provide myself a safety net because I knew I'd never be happy doing anything else with my life uh, besides telling stories in some way, be it writing, producing, directing or something. Um, but yeah, no, I get frustrated. I get overwhelmed. And then I shut the computer and I go for a walk or I go and play with my kid or I go and watch a movie. And then I come back to it when I'm less angry, when I'm less frustrated, when I hate myself just a little bit less. And then I get back to work and, and sometimes, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes I get a lot done in a day and sometimes I stare at a blank screen 
or write a bunch of crap for a couple hours and then give up for the day and come back the next day. Mm -hmm. um, but it's the coming back that is the key and it is the sitting down that is the hardest part. I can tell you what I did after a couple hours after I did that. I was like, you know what? I need a break. I actually I poured myself. A, I actually took a Heineken from the fridge and I just walked around my house for like 20 minutes. And I'm like, OK, you're relaxed now. And this is how you're going to take it. And I and I tackled the problem. And I think I did a solid job with it. Well, and, and sometimes you just need space. Like yeah. one, one of my favorite things to do, and I try to do it every day, is go for a long walk. And I, I just I listen to podcasts. I mean, oh, speaking cool. of this, and I, I like long form interviews. I like hearing people's perspectives, hearing their stories. It takes me out of my own head because that's part of the problem with writing. When you get stuck, you just spin in your head and it's hard to break out of that. So if you can step away, get some air, get some distance, and then you come back with perspective and then you see the solution that was right in front of you. Well, on that lovely note, I think I've taken up way more. Time. I, I would just like to thank you for being on the show. Oh, uh, thank you. It was fun. Because I really, really wanted to speak to you because I think that you're, I think you have a unique way of directing stuff. Um, and thank I, you. And I think that you have this way about you because there are some creative people that I see and I'm like, this person, his his, his personality doesn't come through in his directing. And I think... Your personality, from your directive standpoint, your personality comes through, I think. Well, I appreciate that. It is my, it is my favorite thing, Thank is you. directing. It is, it is, my, uh, it is my, my biggest passion. It's why I moved to LA. It's why I want to work in this industry. I fell in love with writing, but directing is my first love. I, I appreciate the kind words. Just quickly, before we sign off here, where can they find you, like on social media and things like that? Uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. I, I don't spend a lot of time on social media, but I, I do, I'd say Instagram's the thing I'm, I'm most, I, that's where we reconnected. Um, yeah, Instagram, I don't even know what my, <laughs> I don't know what my Instagram handle is. It's, I think uh, it's John Humber. Uh, yeah, it's John Humber, it's your name. Yeah, and um, so, yeah, I'm on that. It's, 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 uh, it's protected, I guess. But uh, yeah, you can reach out to me that, or through that. But thank you so much for being here. Uh, I will be always grateful to you for this, but thank you so much for being here. Thank you. All right, guys. So that'll do it for yet another edition of the Red Wall Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Marcelo Nostoza, and you've been listening to episode number 95 entitled The Filmmaker. Listen, if you guys like anything I do here, I would appreciate a comment, a like, or subscribe on whatever podcast service you happen to be listening to me on at this very point in time. But until next time, as always, I'll see you when I see you. The Red Wall Podcast is a Balloonhead Productions presentation.